am I in stage one or am I in stage two? It's a question lots of EFTs are asking. We're going to try to fill you in right here. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. Hey, welcome back. Stage one and stage two can be a confusing thing. I know I was really confused. Uh, even after I was certified, I was still confused with this. I'm sure I'm not the only one. James really wanted to do a, an episode here, so I'll kick it to you, and I'll jump back in with you in just a minute. Sweet. So I think what I want to do is we're going to use an image to help set it up. Hope this image works good for everybody. This takes me back to my days when I used to work on um, same-day surgery unit. And so before we would have a person go into surgery, we wanted to check out and make sure that they actually had the ability to, that they were stable enough to withstand the stressors of surgery in the recovery process. We wanted to know where their heart, their lungs, and their immune system strong enough to withstand what they were going to go through in surgery. Because mm -hmm. even surgery, you know, you're opening up the body, you're going to be exposed to germs, no matter how sterile you make it. Um, and then the heart and lungs, can they continue to, to, can their body sustain under anesthesia and being taken in to be opened up to do deep surgical work? Can their heart and lungs sustain that kind of stressful moment um, during the surgery process? So... What I would say is, for me, stage one, stage two. So you're trying to say it's it's not it's not a question of what do they need. Yeah. It's not even really a question of what do they want. That's right. It's what can their body do. Exactly. So stage one is I'm trying to get them stabilized. So if I bring you in and I find out your heart rate's just really weak or something's going on, your heart's stressed out, we got to go get that fixed. We got to deal with that. If your lungs don't have the ability to really oxygenate and, and work to help you be able to breathe adequately, We've got to figure out what's going on there with your lungs and get them strengthened. And then even if your immune system, if we find out you've got a really high fever and white blood cell counts are way high, we've got to get that stabilized because we don't want to introduce you to the possibility of a superly invasive infection that happened to you after surgery. We've got to do all the work to, to help stabilize you, to then take you under anesthesia and do really some deep surgical work to do a reparative process. In EFT, what we're doing in stage one, we're stabilizing you. Where are the parts where your relationship feel really weak, and how do we help strengthen those parts in some way? Now, catch this, though. This is a, um, a quote I keep hearing from Lisa Palmer Olson. I'm not trying to fix everything in stage one. I'm just trying to get you strong enough and stable enough. Can you touch a little bit of emotion and be okay and stay with it? Is it really clear? Have we had enough assessment to know what are the dynamics here in this relationship? What is your cycle like? Do you know the cycle? Do you know how your cycle impacts you? Do you know how your cycle impacts your partner? Are we really clear and this organized enough that that kind of gives you some grounding? Because what we're going to ask you to open up in stage two could be really disorienting if you don't have even that kind of emotional and also cognitive stabilization in stage one. Um, that's my, my explanation for stage one, because in stage two, we're going to say, okay, we're going to spend a lot of time with each one of you, one at a time, going um, for several sessions with an intensive focus to go in and do the deep, the deep block work that we couldn't really access in stage one. Yeah, what James is doing right there, I teach that. And uh, I know some, some trainers might teach it a little more than others, but I, in stage two, 
Uh, what James just did there was set a platform. Sue uses this language in her trauma book. She called it setting a safety platform before you just dive off into someone's trigger uh, trauma. You know, and I, I like to do that before withdrawal, re-engagement, and pursuer softening, setting a platform. Mm. You were just doing that, just kind of comment that for the listeners. That's good. I like that distinction, Ryan. Good. Um, because in stage two, we do need that platform mm -hmm. because now we're going to be going to the places about negative you of self that has really been driving some of the cycle we saw in stage one, where there's these parts of you that you're really, that you don't like you. And that if other people saw these places or knew these places about you, they probably wouldn't like you or want to be with you either or might reject you or invalidate you. Those are very, some very sensitive things to open up and we've got to be responsible. And that's the key why we have stage one and stage two also I want to be careful. It's like it's about being it's about being responsible. Can we see some of these things? Can we see some of these kind of negative views of self in stage one? Yeah. An attachment is a cheat sheet. We can pretty much guess, but they might not have the capacity um, to be able to work with those in the stage one way. Or we had Leanne Campbell on here. We were even talking about um, attachment, uh, like betrayal trauma, right? Yeah. You might be able to see the pain from the from the betrayal, but you can't fully heal it in stage one. But you do have to you do have to comment on the fear and the pain that it brings up in stage one, stabilize it enough to go directly towards whatever the injury was to begin to do the deep healing work of surgery. Like, you know, the image for that one would be like, yeah, somebody might break their arm and kind of like you see the fracture, but it might have deeper trauma. So what we can put a cast on it in stage one, get you stable enough in your body, because then we're going to need the orthopedic surgeon to be able to go in and do the deep reconstructive work that he couldn't do in the first part, because maybe your heart wasn't stable, your lungs weren't strong enough to be able to sustain it. Um, that's kind of my description for that there. Okay. I want to hit some, uh, as you're saying that, you're helping me remember some things. So just some confusion points. Uh, <laughs> I got in a, a mean argument on social media uh, <laughs> back when I used to do a little more social media. And this person uh, was absolutely convinced that you don't do enactments in still state until stage two. And he, he called me an idiot, by the way. If you're if you're listening to this, uh, well, you're right. I'm, I kind of am an idiot. <laughs> no problem. I can certainly be an idiot. But that day I wasn't. He's wrong. Uh, we certainly do enactments right. in stage one. But it's indicative of a little bit of confusion around there because the, the term for stage one is de-escalation. People often think, okay, the deeper stuff will be later. And that's partially true. But no, we're going as deep as they can that day. That's what's nice about the tango is it's like it, it's really about what they can do that day, not about what you have planned. But that's a, a second confusing point there is just depth in general. I remember that was my confusing point early on was, you know, if they're talking about frustration, irritation, but it, if it goes really deep with the tear, maybe that's stage two. That was like 2006 for me. And they're like, nope. No, that's not true. That's not true. So I can't tell you how many times I've said this phrase, and it's it's taken as demoralizing for people, so I'm trying to find a more clever way to say it. Uh, but I can't tell you how many times someone says, hey, this is a stage two couple. Then they push play, or, or I work with them in a live setting, and I have to find a way to say, no, no, that's, that's stage one. That's stage one. Really? I thought it was stage two. Right? And so I, I remember um, – in 2014, um, I was working with a very difficult couple, and they, it was a fair recovery, and uh, it was 
it was a stage two couple, and I brought them to, for George to do a live with. And it was it was a compelling session. It was hard. It was good. It was deep. And uh, afterwards, um, I'm like, hey, hey, tell me where you think that is. And he goes, I can't tell you how many people bring me couples and say they're stage two. Probably 50% of people bring the couple and say it's stage two. And I'm like, well, what percentage is it? And he goes, that was the first one there's ever been. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that that therapy's not working. What that means is, and I'm going to say this and feel free for 10 smarter trainers to come in and correct me and I'll say I'm sorry, <laughs> but 90% of EFT sessions are stage one sessions, maybe more than that. I think the research says 65 to 70%, and I see where they're getting that. But here's the thing. I believe roughly 90% of EFT sessions are actually stage one, and here's why. Because once a, a relationship is de-escalated, now we're rolling downhill towards termination most of the time. Withdrawal re-engagements, three to nine sessions. Pursuer softening is only two to four sessions. Stage threes, two to three sessions. Let's do the math. You know, that's, that's not, not, to me, not even close to 50% in most cases. So don't take it as demoralizing for the fact that most of your sessions are stage one. Uh, if there were stage two couples, they everywhere around the world, they wouldn't probably even need us. So stage two, the distinction is not going deep. It's can they stay deep? How many times are you blocked when you're working with them? I saw someone just last week say, I think this is a stage two couple. I'm like, eh, it's stage one. Like, ah, oh, they're not as reactive. I'm like, right, but they blocked you every time you were trying to deepen them. You're, that's, you're in step three. You're doing a great job, but it's not stage two yet. They're, they're not really open. There's not as much curiosity. There's not as much exploration. When they tell you an emotion, it's deep, but it's not a sharing of self, an exploration and sharing of self. It's more of a almost accidental that, that the tear comes out in the fear. And yes, I'll do the enactment. That's very much stage one work. So being less blocked, um, but what'd you add to that? No, I was going to bring in, I wish I could remember, but we had Catherine Ring come on and talk about the levels of experience and skill. Yeah. This helps at all, because this is what I, from understanding Catherine right, it's this is what EFT even uses for some of their uh, process research to understand for them even like what stage one, stage two. So a stage one kind of person or couple, they're not going to really be able to focus on themselves and their emotion directly. They leave out their emotion. They leave themselves out. They'll want to focus on the other person, kind of almost critical or blame kind of type way. Um, and even if they do talk about themselves, they might still leave the emotion out. What Catherine kind of showed, in particular her research with withdrawal reengagement, is on the experiencing scale at about level four of experiencing this is what Ryan was just referring to. They are now able to focus directly on emotions and their thoughts about themselves, and they can stay with that part. They can experience it. They can even reflect on their own emotion. Catch this, though, in the present moment, not the argument from last week. They can even, you know, I kind of even feel that sadness in my chest right now. I just hate this place. I even feel it happening to me now. I don't like when I get here. I hate this place. It's dark and it's dreary. Now they're starting to stay with like, uh-oh, okay. In other words, with going back to my image about surgery, oh, they're showing me they now have the capacity to stay in it. Because remember, in stage one, both the pursuer and the withdrawer have moves to hurry up and get out of there. 
like this is when I steal from Ryan, their body is a supercomputer saying, danger, 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 get out of here. So they don't have the capacity to stay for deep restructuring work of stage two, which is what we have to do, the episode with Catherine Ream. We have to have a deep limbic experience to have deep limbic revision. That's what and I like that she says, deep. And you can't get, stage one doesn't often let you have depth where they can stay, if that helps any. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking through, uh, uh, and I say this all the time, I actually really mean it, but but I'm working with an exceptional therapist, and uh, she contacts me and says, hey, I'd love to just kind of go through a little bit of video with you and get some help doing withdrawal re-engagement, which is a stage two event. If you're new to EFT, we should say, in stage two, there are two of our main change events, which are first withdrawal re-engagement and then pursuer softening. So she was saying, help me with this stage two process. So we turn on the video and she's like, I'm having trouble here. And she gets blocked like 17 times by each person. And she's mm -hmm. like, help me, help me understand what you would have done different there. And I'm like, all right, I can talk about what I, what I might have tried to do different there. But the problem is you're not doing withdrawal re-engagement. They're not ready yet. They're, their body, if you think about James's metaphor, is ready to go on a short walk and then get back in the hospital bed. It's not strong enough yet to handle the kind of pressure that comes with open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. So you're not in withdrawal re-engagement. It's not that you're doing things wrong, they're just not ready. They need more assembly time. They need more repetition in the assembly. They need more small wins in step three kind of enactments, tango two, tango three. We need wins there to create confidence, to create enough safety and enough strength so to hang out and go deep when something like withdrawal re-engagement. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it was you or George that said it, but it was something like this. Uh, your missions in step three of stage one is what sets you up to be ready to do deep work in stage two, step five. Like the more you can help them begin to touch. And this, I'll take this from Lisa Palmer Olson too. Lisa, this one she's been pushing me on. She said, in stage one, James, I'm not, I'm not trying to even create change necessarily. I'm just trying to get them to touch it and see what we can do with it and see what comes up with their cycle. But I'm not hoping for everything to be fixed in every enactment in stage one. Um, that was I thought that was a good one. I think I think there's a ton of wisdom to that, and Lisa's a lot better than me, so you should listen to whatever she says. <laughs> uh, but I will say, and I, I think she would agree with me if she was sitting here, I'm not trying to. That's right. But I'll sure take it. Hey, no, that's exactly. <laughs> but here's the point. But you can't get anything if you do nothing. That's right. So that's just saying, like, be willing to do it. You need to do that. This yeah. is going to build their their ability to, once again, strengthen the heart, to strengthen the lungs, to yeah. do stage two. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not building anything for them to do in stage two. Yeah. But just be willing to know in stage one, they might, they'll, they're going to show you where they're blocked, really. And this is one that Lisa said to me that was interesting. She said, early in training with Sue, even if you were on the trail of sadness, if you were on that trail of sadness and the fear of sharing the sadness comes up, Take the sadness for a moment, set it aside, and privilege the fear of sharing the sadness in stage one. Because you got to help work. Because in other words, she's really worked with the block. Slice it thinner. Exactly. Yep. 100%. Because Slice. now if I can remove some of that, not I'm not trying to resolve all the fear. Mm -hmm. But if I can start moving and working with fear, then that sets me up in stage two now where we get to the ultimate, the big fears as we go for more depth and vulnerability. The little fears aren't there kind of blocked. We move some of them out in stage one. I don't know if that was that I appreciated that one. Yep. Hearing that distinction a little bit. Good. And after the break, let's run through exactly what we mean by stage two. 
You are invited to the Arkansas EFT externship July 25th through the 28th here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you'd like to register, you can go to ArkansasEFT.com. Yeah, we would love to have you. We always encourage people to train in their local areas. That's our first first priority, our first choice. But we would love it if you consider training with us as your second choice. Maybe you've not done an, an externship yet, and uh, we'd love to host you here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And, and if also, if you have done an externship and maybe you want to review and, and repeat, we offer 25% off of the professional rate for repeaters for externship. And uh, externships are great everywhere. The trainers do an amazing job. We're, I'm a little partial to the ones uh, at home. Uh, this is a family reunion. Our supervisors and facilitators are some of the most caring, safe people on the planet. And uh, this is kind of the mothership, by the way, uh, of the origin in some ways of, of this podcast, successandvulnerability.com. This is where we develop some of our material. So we would love to have you join us in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the EFT externship. Yeah. And I just like to talk about like kind of how externship uh, made a difference for me. You know, I have been a practicing clinician for a while. I had read about EFT. But I'll tell you this, reading about EFT and, you know, taking like one off courses, you know, in some kind of offshoot, you know, programs here and there, it was not the same as going to an externship at all by any means Um, for four intensive days sitting not only with like George and Ryan were the ones that led mine, but also you're right, our community. So George and Ryan did a really good job of making it experiential practical. And then with the facilitators, I got to hear different styles, different voices, different types of presence in the room. So what it did for me, I felt like it really helped rejuvenate my career. I think it added a few more years to my to my career because things got clearer. It made sense of the difficulty I was facing. And it wasn't because, you know, as I was joking, you know, we are in a self of the therapist training and the, the therapist said, all roads always lead to I suck. I found out it's not because I suck all the time. It's because people in emotional relational distress just get really, the mistrust can take over and they get stuck. And that's where we get paid to help them at. So, um, so I just would say, man, if you want to have a good time doing something that's hard with a bunch of people who are willing to do something hard with you, come to Arkansas EFT externship, July 25th through the 28th. Yeah. Consider coming and training with uh, George Fowler and myself. We're hoping that I think James is on the road, but we're hoping that we can, uh, arm wrestle him a little bit and get him to come make a cameo with us as well. So come join us. It'll be lots of fun. All right. Welcome back. Just, just a little bit of clarity. I know that there are people listening to this podcast. So we hear, and thank you by the way, uh, with all levels of experience, we have people, I had someone email me yesterday that's been doing this for like 27 years. And then we have people who are just started graduate school. So trying to be, uh, uh, mindful of everybody. But yeah, when we say stage two, we're referring to restructuring the bond. So we're looking for core change events as deep as you can possibly go with people, first with withdrawers, then pursuers. So step five, six, and seven, first is focus on the withdrawer. And then after we get a report from the pursuer that the withdrawer is different in the face of conflict, it starts to give you hints that withdrawer reengagement may have taken, if you will. And then we come back and do steps five, six, and seven, focused on the pursuer. Step five to me is the most, the most EFT step. And by the way, if you're confused with tango, we, we do both on this podcast. I know some people emphasize one more than the other. 
when we when we talk about the tango, I try to use the word move, tango move. And so if I'm saying the word step, I'm referring to the steps and stages of the model as it was written originally. So in step five, we are trying to go very, very deep and stay very deep. We are trying to access core fears of reaching, negative model of self, hmm. possibility of trauma, uh, ch inner child experiences can be useful, uh, attachment injuries sometimes come up in step five when they're relevant. It's that level of depth. You don't want to try to take someone who's still very reactive or their partner's super reactive trying to do deeper step five. There can still be blocks in stage two, but they tend to be depth disorientation blocks, not high reactivity. Mm -hmm. Step six goes to the partner. It's a fairly short step most of the time. We're going to see if we can get the, the, the partner to be supportive, to, to resource them, to increase security. So step six is focused on the partner, the person you're not primarily focused on in that moment, before step seven, which is the Hollywood step. Our deepest core attachment needs. So these are not requests. These are not negotiation, mediation. This is usually some form of comfort, <laughs> wanting to be touched, wanting to be reassured, wanting to be held, hold me tight, was a, is, is, is a story of step seven. Uh, in the educational period, they call step what is effectively a step seven, the hold me tight conversation, where I show myself to you, I invite you in, and I'm able to access my deepest attachment need with you right in that moment. That's what we mean by stage two, if you're new to this. Yeah. So, man, that we know this one was kind of short and quick and simple, but we felt important. We don't want this to feel like it's a mystery. We just really wanted to clarify some more to help you understand and to know. And also, maybe even it's not just for you, but to help your eye. One of my approaches with this is, is I do like to let couples know, hey, this is where we are. This is where we're headed, just in a very general way. And it lets them know, I know the landscape of the map and where we are and where we need to go and what it takes to get there. So, once again, we'd love to hear from you if this was clarifying or if you have more questions. But once again, we just thank you for helping be with us as we all try to push our leading edges of learning and also help to push our clients in their leading edges of experience so they can have success and vulnerability. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at Doc Hawk LPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.